0: Good evening. Got one good evening back. Thanks. Whoever that was, I don't know. (laughs) Hey, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, It was a great holiday for our family. I told the young adult class this morning, I think I could go the rest of the year without eating uh, because of how much and how bad I've eaten over the last few days. Uh, But it was a great holiday. Hope you had a a great holiday as well with your family. Hope you ate some real good, good food. But it's always a great time of year but I'm glad you're here tonight. We're going to be looking at stewardship. I want to talk about King David as we start here. Uh, David obviously was one of the greatest kings uh, in Israel's history, may, may even say that he's one of the greatest kings ever, um, accomplished a lot of great things, did some amazing things in his uh, lifetime and in his reign. Um, things like you know killing Goliath, that was before his reign, and then you know, conquering many other nations and making Israel a mighty nation and and many other things that David accomplished. But towards the end of his life and therefore the end of his reign, he purposed in his heart to build a temple for the Lord. He wanted to build God a a house because he realized he was dwelling in a really nice house that that had been built, but God didn't have a house. Now, David didn't think God could be bound by a house. He just wanted to honor God by building him a temple. But God told him he would not be the one who was going to build the temple. It would be his son, Solomon. So David wasn't going to build the temple, but that didn't stop him from doing all he could to prepare for the building of the temple. He wanted to do all he could to make sure his son Solomon could be successful in building the temple. So David contributed a lot of his own resources and money towards the the temple. But then he offered it to all the people. Basically, hey, who else is going to uh, contribute to the building of this temple when it comes time to build it under Solomon's reign? And the people responded incredibly to, to David's request. In 1 Chronicles 29, verses 6 through 9, look what uh, it says the people gave uh, for, for the temple. Then the rulers of the fathers' households, and the princes of the tribes of Israel, and the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, With the overseers over the king's work, offered willingly. And for the service for the house of God, they gave 5,000 talents, and 10,000 derricks of gold, and 10,000 talents of silver, and 18,000 talents of brass, and 100,000 talents of iron. Whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord, and care of Jehiel the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced greatly. I mean, the, the amount that the people gave for the house of the Lord is astronomical. Gold and, and brass and silver and iron and all these different materials, they are giving in abundance. And it says they gave with their whole heart. I mean, there's, there's no way to put like a monetary value on all that they had given here for the, the temple. And because of this willing, willingness to give, They rejoiced because they realized, hey, this is going to happen. And because we've offered for this, and so did King David. He rejoiced greatly at this uh, contribution. But then David lifts up praise to God. And this is what I want us to, to focus on here. Look what David says in response to what had been given in the following verses, verses 10 to 14. So David... Bless the Lord in the sight of all the assembly.'" And David said, "'Blessed are you, O Lord, God of of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord. And you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might.'" And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you and from your hand we have given you. What a powerful uh, blessing that uh, that David lifts up to God. David realized... Everything belongs to God. Everything is God's. And everything that they had offered God was simply what, they had, what he had given them. God had entrusted them with these things for a, a period of time, and they're just giving back to God what God had given to them. It was from God's hand. Everything belongs to God. David realized that, and he realized, we're just giving back to you what you've given to us, God. God. James says this in James 1:17, "Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of Lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow." Think about all the good things you have in your life. If we were to, to just list those things, you know how, many, how long we could be here just talking about all the good things that we have in our lives, all the gifts that we've been given, It all comes from God. It's all from His hand. Every good thing given comes from him and we would do good to recognize that like David did everything belongs to him and we're just entrusted with things that he's given to us right now but it's all his every good thing comes from him God has entrusted each and every one of us with different things and blessed us with so many things the question tonight is how are you using the things that God has given you What are you doing with the things that God has entrusted to your care? Again, every one of us has been blessed. Some of us have more than others, but all of us have great blessings. What are you doing with the things that God has blessed you with? What we're looking at tonight is stewardship. That's the word we're really looking at, stewardship. The best word to compare to stewardship is uh, manager, managing. The words are very closely... Related. In fact, in um, Strong's Concordance, he puts it this way. The, the word in, in the Greek for steward is the manager of a household or of household affairs, especially a steward, manager, or superintendent, whether freeborn or, as was usually the case, a freedman or slave, to whom the head of the house or proprietor has entrusted the management of his affairs, the care of receipts and expenditures, and the duty of dealing out the proper proportion to every servant, and even to the children not yet of age. So a, a steward is a manager of a household, really. That's really what the word means. You can think about in Bible times, masters would you know, allow some slaves or servants to basically manage their house. And look at all the responsibilities they had. The management of his affairs, the care of receipts and expenditures, and so on and so forth. The best example I can think of, of a steward or a manager, is Joseph. You remember when Joseph was sold by his brothers, and eventually Joseph ends up in Egypt, and he ends up in the captain of the guard's house, Potiphar. Potiphar buys Joseph, and Joseph quickly finds favor with Potiphar and works his way up in his house. And Potiphar basically leaves just about everything in Joseph's care. He trusts Joseph so much with almost everything because of how uh, successful Joseph was, because God was with Joseph. And so everything that Joseph did, it it, it succeeded. And and so Potiphar put just about everything in Joseph's care. He managed Potiphar's house. Joseph was a, a steward, but we, folks, all of us are stewards as well. Every single one of us are stewards because our master is God. We are his servants. We are the stewards. He's entrusted every single one of us with Different things and not just items. We could be talking about talents or abilities, gifts that we have. What are we doing with those things? Are we being good stewards of the things that God has entrusted to our care? How are we ma- managing the different things in our lives? The, the money in our bank accounts, the, the possessions that we've been given, our, our again, our talents and abilities, so many things we could talk about here. That's what I want us to think about. And, and the reason why I draw our attention to this is because it's the holiday season, right? We're in the thick of it now, and we're, we're buying a lot of gifts. We may be receiving a lot of things, and these type of things are on our minds right now, uh, possessions and money. And so it's important to think about what are we doing with the things that God has given us, that God has blessed us with. And it's a really important thing to realize that, again, everything belongs to God, and when you see it that way, it, it may help us to, to use what we've been given in a better way. So what I want us to look at here is the parable of the talents. I know this is a, a, a parable that you know real well, but I'm just going to read through it. It's not going to be here on the screen because it's a really lengthy reading. I'm going to read the parable and then we'll talk about it and then we'll have some application and, and that'll be it uh, here for, for the evening. So Matthew chapter 25, uh, 25 it should say, not 24 there. Um, It's Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14, if you have your Bibles. Matthew 25, verse 14. "'For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, "'who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. "'To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, "'each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. "'Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them "'and gained five more talents.' In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who had received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master... I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival. I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, and that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, a pretty uh, familiar parable here. There's a master, and that represents Jesus. And the servants, we can put ourselves in those spots. We're the servants. And the master is going on this journey and he gives these three slaves different amounts of, uh, or different talents based on their ability. One gets five, one gets two, one gets one. And he expects them to, to do something with this money, right? With, the, with these talents. Now, talents, we're not just talking about uh, like abilities as we think about, hey, I've got the talent to sing or I've got the talent to, to play sports or whatever. That may come into play here, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But really, a talent was like a monetary value here. And there's a, a lot of disagreement uh, about exactly how much a talent was. But I found one, uh, one article that said 6,000 denarii was a talent. Now, a, denarii was, a denarius was a day's wage. You're talking about a lot of money with just one talent. And so th- this master has entrusted them with a lot here. Even the one who just received one talent had a lot to take care of. And so the master entrusts them with these, these talents. And of course, the two of them, the five-talent servant and the two-talent one, they did what they were supposed to, and they were rewarded for that. But the one-talent man did not do what he was supposed to do. He hid his talent in the ground because he was afraid, and because he did not do what was expected of him, he was punished. Right, and that that again, this parable is is familiar to us. But I want to point to a few lessons here, three lessons, and then we'll be done. What do we learn from this parable in, in regards to stewardship? Number one, God expects us to be good stewards. God expects us to be good stewards. Again, we've already said that that God entrusts us with, with different things. He's blessed us with so many things. He expects us to use what we have for his glory, for his service, for his kingdom. Go back to this parable. Remember, there's clearly an expectation that these slaves were to do something with the money. Because immediately, after the master goes and he gives the money to these slaves, two of them immediately go and they make a profit. They know they're supposed to do something with this. And they know that they're going to have to give an account of what what they've done. There was an expectation that you don't just take this money and do nothing with it or waste it or throw it away. No, there was supposed to be something done with this, with what they were given. And two of them did what they were supposed to do. One of them did not. And again, he was, he was punished for that. The two who did what they were supposed to do, what was expected of them, they're rewarded, right? God expects us to use the things that we're given in a wise manner. Not to to, to be wasteful, not to just hide things in the ground and not use them for for God's glory. Everything that we've been given, we should use it in a manner to glorify God, to honor him, to praise him. Everything that we have, every single thing. Again, it comes from him to begin with. And, and, And this makes sense because God blesses us with so many things. And just imagine, you don't do anything with them. You don't help anybody with, with, with what you've been given. You don't use anything for God's glory. Obviously, that won't be pleasing to, to God. But if we are using the things that we've been given in a way that is pleasing to him, that is honoring him, like the two servants did who had the five and the two talents, they, they made that profit and they were rewarded. God expects us to be good stewards of the things that we've been blessed with. So again, I ask, what, are you, what have you been doing with the things that you've been given? I found a, a quote that really kind of sums up the, the whole parable here, but I, I think it fits really with this point, too. Uh, the author is really unknown here. It was just on a website. Um, but here's, here's this quote. The meaning of the parable extends far beyond financial investments. God has given each person a wide variety of gifts, and he expects us to employ those gifts in his service. That's really what I wanted to highlight. He expects us to employ those gifts in his service it's not acceptable merely to put those gifts on a closet shelf and ignore them like the three servants we do not have gifts of the same degree the return god expects of us is commensurate with the gifts we have been given the servant who received one talent was not condemned for failing to reach the five talent goal he was condemned because he did nothing with what he was given the gifts were the gifts we receive from god include skills abilities family connections social positions education, experiences, and more. The point of the parable is that we are to use whatever we have been given for God's purposes. The severe consequences to the unproductive servant, far beyond anything triggered by mere business mediocrity, tells us that we are to invest our lives, not waste them. So it's not, again, it's not just about, you know, the money. There's other things like uh, the, the skills and abilities, the, the education, and, and so many other things that we can use for the glory of God. Are we doing that tonight? Are we being good stewards of every single thing that God has given us? And again, some of us might not have as much as others. Some of us might not be a, a, have as many talents as others. But whatever you have been given should be used for the glory of God, should, should be used in a way that is pleasing to him. And so whatever you have, whether it's a lot or a little, use it for his service. He expects us to use the things, for his, the things he's given us for his glory. And just like those Israelites gave to God willingly with a whole heart, so should we. That's number one. God expects us to be good stewards. Number two, this is really important. We will be held accountable for our stewardship. We're going to be held accountable for our stewardship. What's interesting about these parables, by the way, is that these parables are uh, all about the, the return of Christ. Because right before this, he gives the parable of the ten virgins, where some missed out on, on the banquet, uh, the bridegroom coming. The bridegroom is Jesus. They missed it because they didn't bring oil for their lamps. And when they were out buying some oil, they missed it. They missed the banquet. And so if you're not ready, well, you're not going to be able to enter when, when he returns. And then he tells this parable about the, the talents and you see there's this, uh, this idea of, of judgment here. Because remember when the master comes back, he settles accounts with his slaves. And the five-talent uh, man, he, he's made the profit. The two-talent man made his profit. And they're rewarded, right? They're rewarded for what they've done. They're given charge of even more th- than before. And they're allowed to continue working for the master. And they're allowed to enjoy the ma- working for the master, But that last slave who hid it in the ground and didn't do anything with what he had been given, what happened? Well, first of all, he's called wicked and lazy. How would you like to be called wicked and lazy by the master? That would not be good to be called wicked and lazy. But that's what that one slave was called because he didn't do anything with what he had been given. And so he's punished. He's thrown out into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. This idea of pain and, and, and suffering not a good situation to be in obviously right we're going to have to give an account for what we've done with the things we've been given right and after this jesus also talks about being judged uh, based on our works uh, at the end of matthew chapter 25 but here we see that these men have to give an account for how they used the things that they were given so one day we are going to give an account of the things that we've been given, what have we done with the things that we've been given? And again, it's it's not necessarily just money. I absolutely think that's part of it. But there could be a lot of other things we're gonna look at that in just a minute. What are we doing with those things? And if we had to give an answer tonight to the Lord, what would our answer be? Hey, how did you what'd you do with the money I gave you? Or what'd you do with the talents that I gave you, or whatever it may be? What would your answer be tonight? And so we, we need to be Using the things again for God's glory and in a way that's pleasing to Him, like the five, the one who received five talents, and the one who received received two talents, they were rewarded because they did what was pleasing to the Master. And so, uh, I wanted to read another quote by a man named uh, Bill Bill Peel. He says this: Jesus told several parables in which He used stewardship as a metaphor for how His kingdom operates. Each one ends with the steward giving account of what he had done with the master's property. In the same way, we are stewards of everything we've been given, including our time, money, abilities, information, wisdom, relationships, and authority. And we will all give account to the rightful owner as to how well we manage the things he has entrusted to us. Again, everything belongs to God anyways. And it's like we've just been entrusted these things, these abilities, for a short time here on earth. But we're going to have to give an account of how we used everything that God has has given us. And so are we ready for that time to come? I hope you are. Uh, But we, We can all make changes if we're not, right? And so we're going to be held accountable for our stewardship. And finally here, number three, there's no good excuse for not being a good steward. There's no good excuse for not being a good steward. Remember the The one slave is giving his account, the the, uh, man who received the one talent, the slave who received the one talent, when he's giving his accounting for what he had done with the talent that he had been given, he gives a couple of reasons why he didn't do anything. He says, I knew that you were a hard man, and I was afraid. He was afraid. Afraid of probably a lot of things, probably afraid of his master because he knew that he was a, a, a hard man. Uh, that he was going to get uh, have a day of reckoning here, and maybe he was afraid of failure, afraid of being rejected, afraid of taking a risk maybe. But all, the master's like, all you had to do was put it in the bank and, and let it collect interest, and that would have been good. But because you didn't do anything, you know, there, there's no, the excuse is not like a, a good excuse to say, well, you know, I, I was afraid. I was afraid, or, or I was this, or I was that. The master doesn't say, okay, well, you know what, I, I'm going to give you another chance here, and we'll just rewind everything. No, the excuse was not a good excuse. He did nothing with what he had been given, and because he did nothing, he was punished. There's no good excuse for us to not be good stewards. To say, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't have enough, or, or I didn't know what to do with it. I wasn't smart enough, or I, you know, I was afraid. There's no good excuse for that. What we must do again, is use everything that we've been given for God's glory. It doesn't matter how much you have. doesn't matter what, what you think you have. Whatever it is, use it for God's glory. Be a good steward of the things that God has given you. That's what we're, we're talking about tonight. He's entrusted things to our care. We know he's coming back one day, and we're going to stand before him. We know he expects us to be those good stewards. There's not going to be a good excuse when we're standing there if we haven't been good stewards. And so if we haven't been, we need to start being those good stewards, using the things that God has given us for his glory. And again, understanding that everything is his to begin with, it, it makes it a little bit easier because it's like, you know what, this stuff is not really mine anyways. This stuff that, that I have and, and, and the abilities and whatever it may be, it's all from God and I'm just giving back to him just like David said. And so there's not a good excuse to not be a good steward. But the things that God has given you, use it for his glory. So I I want you to look at some areas of stewardship here uh, on the next slide uh, once it it pulls up here. Um, This is not an exhaustive list. I'm sure there's more that we could point to here. But I just want us to get our wheels turning about some things uh, areas of, of stewardship. Giving is, is one of the, the, the first things that came to my mind. There's a clear expectation in the scripture that, give, that we should be givers, that giving is very, very important. Acts 20, verse 35, that Paul uh, is, is citing Jesus' words, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Proverbs has many different lessons about giving. With the things that you've been given, are you giving to others? Are you giving back to God? This is kind of like, I guess, an overarching thing here. Are we giving back to God? Are we giving to others? Again, we could go passage after passage after passage. These are just a couple of examples about how important giving is and about remembering those who are are poor, those who don't have as much. Are Are we givers? Are we... People who take the things that we've been given by God, blessed with, so blessed with. Are we taking those things and giving back to God? Are we taking those things and giving to others? And I think that's what a, a good steward does is, yes, I've, I've received so many things, but I'm going to give back. I've been blessed in so many ways. I'm going to give too. And I, I've heard it said before that we're never more like God than when we give. That's who God is. He's a giving God. He gives us he gave us his son, he gives us forgiveness and grace and so many things I mean well, there's an expectation again in, in scriptures to, to to be givers and that's that's one area that comes to my mind how about our families right how about how about the especially I'm, I'm, I want to talk to our parents here if you 've got kids like these are a precious gift from God right and Colossians three talks about some some uh, uh, relationships within the family, within a husband and wife relationship, and with uh, parents with children. Same with First uh, Timothy five and eight. And what are we doing with our families? What how are we how are we treating our family members? Are we are we raising them in a way that's pleasing to the Lord? Are we pushing them as close as we can in, in service to God? Are we are we really taking our our responsibility seriously as as parents? That God has entrusted me with these precious souls. What am I doing with them? What am I doing with my kids? And listen, again, eventually kids get out and, and they, they make their own decisions. But while they're under our roofs, right, we can do the best that we can to push them in service to God. To, to try the, to, to instill in them the principles of the scriptures and of the Lord. What are we doing with our families, I think that's an important area because we've been given uh, so many, and not just family, we've been given so many other relationships. What are we doing in those relationships? Are we investing in them? How about our gifts and abilities? Uh, David referenced Romans 12 this morning and 1 Peter 4 actually, talking about each of us has been given different gifts. Some of us have the gift of compassion. Some of us have the gift of service. Some of us have a gift of, of song leading and speaking and teaching. Are you using those gifts For the glory of God. Are you using the talents that God has given you. For his glory. And that's the whole point. uh, One of the big points of David's lesson this morning. Is that the gifts that we've been given. Are to be used to edify. To build up the church. To build up one another. Are you doing that with your gifts? With your abilities? Every single one of us has an ability. has Has a gift. And likely more than just one. Are you using those things to build up the body of Christ? Are you using them for the glory of God? And what about your time? One of the most precious gifts that we have time here on earth, our, our lives are but a span, right? They're so short. They're like a mist that's here for one second, and then they're gone. What are we doing with our time? Are we meditating on God's word day and night? Are we withdrawing to spend time with God like Jesus did, Mark one thirty-five? What are we doing with our time? Are we using it to, to serve God? Are we using our time to, to, to pray to him, to serve him? What are we doing with our time? And I think it'd be interesting if we just sat down and just looked at where we're investing a lot of our time, and we'd kind of be shocked at, at some of the ways we're spending our time. But time is a precious gift, and it's so short. How are we using that? And again, we could probably go on and on and on. Uh, one of those quotes mentioned, like, education and, and, and some other skills and things like that. What are we doing with the things that we have, that we've been given, the opportunities that God has given our way. What are we doing with these things? Again, these things are kind of on the forefront of our mind, money and and giving, because it's, it's the holiday season. I just wanted us to consider tonight the type of stewards that we're being. With the things that we have, what are we doing with them? Are we using them for God's glory? My suggestion for all of us is first of all, let's view everything that we have, it's God's, it's not mine, it's his, it belongs to him. And I'm gonna use it, secondly, for his glory. Whatever I have, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use it for him. So tonight, if you haven't been a good steward, if you feel like this has been an area where you've been struggling, we would like for you to come forward and we, we'll pray with you and for you. The thing is, we can all make changes if we haven't been the stewards that we should be. If you've never uh, given your life to Christ before, we'd love to talk to you about with you about that. You can give your life to him right now. If you have any need, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.